Our guest today on the Beauty Biz Show is Jeffrey Chambers. Jeffrey is a true success story in the beauty biz industry. I chose her to be the first esthetician that I interviewed for a few reasons. She's had her beauty biz license, her cosmetology license since 1978. Many of you may already know the esthetician license didn't even become available until 1979. Now life has thrown Jeffrey a few loops and she's moved and started over a number of times, each time finding success, but not her desired sweet spot in the beauty biz world. So she was willing to share her inspirational story of how she kept pressing forward until she found her perfect place. Jeffrey is the perfect example of a heartfelt success journey in the beauty biz world. Stay tuned because she gives some wonderful insight on what it takes to press forward and power through the difficult times to design a beauty biz that feels like an amazing gift. I know you're going to love her story. And again, stay tuned to the end because she gives some great information on how she has built a business that she is madly in love with. Hello, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I am a licensed esthetician, spa owner, and beauty biz industry coach, consultant, and educator. I'm so excited to share my love of all things beauty industry related with you. So I invite you to join me each week as I feature compelling interviews with industry educators and leaders and inspirational success stories from my fellow beauty biz practitioners. Stay tuned for some powerful beauty biz inspiration. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show with Lori Crete. I am here today with a fellow esthetician who is rocking it in the beauty biz world. Her name is Jeffrey Chambers, and I think you're really going to be inspired by her story. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Thank you, Lori. It's great to be here. You know, I feel like you're actually the first esthetician that I'm interviewing because I feel like you just have a good solid inspiration story. And I want to thank you for being brave enough to share it because I know it feels a little different to be interviewed on a show, a little different than it feels to be in our treatment room, right? Right. (laughs) It does. Our very safe place. Mm -hmm. So Jeffrey, let's talk just a little bit about what you did before you became an esthetician. What did your life look like before you decided to step into the beauty biz industry? Wow, that was a really long time ago. (laughs) Um, Actually, I started out in the business as a nail tech. I went to beauty school like probably the last semester of high school I started taking night classes. And then when I graduated, I graduated a semester early, so I was um, almost 18, and I went right into full-time during the day and got my cosmetology license in California. I didn't like doing hair, (laughs) so I went into nails because nails at that time, this is back in the late 70s, were becoming really, really popular, the acrylic nails, and it just so happened that I was very good at them, so that's where I started. Was there actually an esthetician license when you, or did you have to become a cosmetologist? Because if I remember correctly, it was around 1979 that our license became available. Exactly. Um, I was before that. I actually received my license in um, 1978, one year prior. And then could you do hair, nails, skincare, the whole gamut? I could, but I didn't. (laughs) Okay. And you were in San Diego. I think we've talked about that before. Is that where you were? That's correct. I was born and raised there. So tell me what that business looked like. Were you in a salon? Did you have your own space? I rented actually. Well, the the first job that I had, um, I was on commission and the owner of that business decided to um, shut down. Um, He was retiring. 
And so I went looking, and at that time there was a woman who was opening a, a strictly nail salon kind of a business, um, first of its kind in San Diego. Of course, now they're everywhere. Uh, but this was a very high-end only nail salon. She hired me. I worked for her for a short period of time, and then I went out on my own. And what does out on your own mean as a nail tech? I rented space um, in a full-service salon. We had an esthetician. We had three, back there they called them manicurists, so three of us manicurists renting our um, booths, and I don't even remember how many stylists, a handful, maybe eight. So... I know when I met you, probably how long have we known each other? Maybe four or five years ago. I feel like you had mentioned you were just stepping back into the beauty world. That's correct. So you left for a while. What did you do? What was your other career? Um, I had a couple, actually. Um, I decided to become um, certified on Pilates apparatus equipment um, as a personal trainer. Um, it took about a year to do that, and I did some skincare work on the side for friends, but I really I wasn't working in a salon or spa at the time. Um, I was concentrating on um, getting my Pilates certification, which was a huge undertaking, more than I thought it would be. And I also had a part-time business in New York City. Um, I have a love for all things vintage, especially from the 50s and 60s. So um, I had a collection of women's evening wear and accessories that were from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And that's what my shop specialized in. So wait, you moved from San Diego then yes. to back east Connecticut. somewhere, Connecticut, and you yep. started. So it sounds like you've been kind of an entrepreneur at heart since day one, right? Since you stepped into the working world. Yeah, I kind of like to be in charge. <laughs> yeah, I, sometimes we're just not hireable. You know, it's hard to work under somebody else's rules. Mm -hmm. It is. It really is. I kind of consider myself not hireable at this point, you know, in my career because I've just got some very set ideas about how I want to do things. And you know how that is. I do know how that is. And I also know it can be absolutely amazingly beautiful. And then it can be super challenging at times. So I want to talk about that a little bit. You're a Pilates instructor and you have this shop. You're living in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Did you have a place where you decided in Connecticut to go back into skincare? No, um, actually, I did not. Um, I left pretty much a full clientele at the time that I went into the Pilates training. I think I was burnt out. And I did not want to open up a storefront and there was nobody other than where I was that had rooms available for me to rent. And I just wanted to out of where I was. Can I talk to you a little bit about burnt out? Because I feel like sure. you're in some of my private coaching programs and people wish for these big, amazing, super busy practices. And then they get there and all of a sudden they go, Ooh, this isn't what I thought it would be. Is that what you were going through? Yeah, it was too much. Um, I didn't, I had never worked with a coach before. And it didn't occur to me to cut my hours and raise my prices. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit, because I think this is uh, where you've made some changes, some great changes uh -huh. in your career. Yes. But to the burnout, you know, it, it, what was going on that made you walk away from a full book? I didn't like doing the services that I was doing. Um, I just felt that there should be something different. And at the time, there wasn't. What were you doing? Like, and what year was this? Because I kind of want to you know, it's interesting to talk to you to see how our industry has evolved. Like, what were right. you doing? When was this? Um, this was 2000. Let me think. Let me think. About 2004, 2005 is when I started really feeling the burnout. And I was doing a lot of microdermabrasion. There was 
no variety for me. It just was one person after the other, boom, 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 just microdermabrasion, microdermabrasion. And um, I just, I got tired of it. How did you, you know, because I remember, and I've talked about this in some of my other podcasts, my best friend from high school was coming to see me in Los Angeles. It was around probably 2004. Mm-hmm. And she, all she wanted was a facial and I could not even find a spot in Los Angeles. There was one place doing facials and they were charging $600 for chemical peels. Ooh. Yeah. So how do you, I mean, I don't, this woman, I'm not quite sure how busy she was. Her prices uh-huh. seemed a little astronomical, but how did you build a business where you were booked solid without the internet and all the other crazy stuff that we have available to us today? Well, back in the day, everybody said you had to, you know, pay your dues by sitting and doing nothing in a salon. <laughs> I'm afraid know? that's still kind of true. Yeah. Um, so when I wasn't busy, I would be out on the floor. I would talk to clients that were, you know, waiting for their appointments. I did, um, it was an Aveda concept salon. Oh, I've been in one of those in Palm Springs before actually. Right. And they really advocate for, you know, interacting with the clients out in the lobby and waiting areas and so forth. And so I would be out there doing like miniature hand treatments and things like that and just chatting people up. And I, I got to know the girls that were the stylists pretty well and they would recommend their clients to me. Uh, basically, the the clientele I built came from working with those girls, those stylists in that salon. Because I you know, obviously, when I went from California to Connecticut, I knew no one there, so I was completely dependent on you know the help of those that I was working with. Um, other than you know just trying to let people know in my personal life, friends and people I ran into, you know what I did for a living. So you were in this place, you were booked solid, it was booming. And mm-hmm. one day you go, okay, I'm done. I want to do something else because I can't microderm one more face at this point. Is that kind of yeah. with your mind? <laughs> pretty much. And I had some lower back troubles that I've, I've pretty much had them on and off all my life. And somebody had suggested, you know, go to this person. She's a Pilates instructor. You'll love her and she'll fix your back. And so I did. And she did. <laughs> she did fix my back. And I was just so astounded after so many years of suffering with pain that something as simple as this type of exercise could take the pain away. And not only that, put me in tip top shape. So I just, I felt like I have to, I have to do this. I have to share this. I have to learn how to help people like I was helped. And that kind of is what got me going. And so then you build up this fantastic Pilates biz. Was that what you thought it would be? It wasn't, it wasn't. I loved it. I really did. And I really enjoyed working with the women and, you know, helping them to see themselves, you know, in a different light. We tend to be our own worst critics. And that goes true for the, you know, the beauty business as well, you know, trying to lift people up. But yeah, I did enjoy it. And I had a great time teaching. Problem was that, again, I like working on my own. (laughs) I don't even know if you're aware of this, but just from talking to you, I think that part of the reason you move and start over and become successful is because you pick things that feel purpose-driven to you. That's a good point. I'd never really thought of it that way, but particularly with the Pilates in Connecticut, yes. And then coming to Texas, I had to make a choice again and um, ended up back in aesthetics. So let's give people a little more detail about this. Mm -hmm. So you decide to leave Connecticut and move to Texas. I do. Yes, I did. (laughs) And did you think you were going to go back into the Pilates world when you got there? I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was at a a point in my life where things were really kind of all up in the air. I'd gone through some major changes, not all of them good, but life changing. And so when I got to 
Austin, I took up some time just for myself, and that was about nine months. I didn't do much of anything. And when that period of time started to get boring for me, <laughs> I decided that I needed to get a job, and I actually went to work for Nordstrom's in the cosmetics department at first. Um, Can I stop you for a quick second? Because sure. when you said you took some time for yourself... Mm -hmm. I've never, ever done that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that would love to be able to do something like that. I agree. And I think it's a good thing to do. I just honestly wish that it had been that the reason that I needed to take that time had been a more positive reason. Unfortunately, I had some real tragedies and I needed to heal and figure out what I was going to allow in my life and what I wasn't going to allow in my life. But see, I had September 11th happen to me, which hit very, very, very close to home. So maybe we can relate on this. Mm -hmm. when, when these tragedies appear in our lives, don't they really take us to a better place? It sure did this time for me. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it depends how you step forward into it. And it sounds like even though it wasn't the best time and place when you stepped away from life, so to speak, it, it was what you needed to heal. It was. It, it definitely was. And then, you know, even though it was difficult, I'm glad that it all kind of happened the way it did because I learned a lot of things about myself and I have a completely different life now. Will you tell me one powerful thing you took away from that time that you learned about yourself that's helped you in your biz? Hmm, wow, there's so many things. I think just that it's okay to be me, that I don't have to pretend to be some super person and people pleaser, um, you know, that it's okay to just relax and be who I am, that people will like me for that just as much as for the things that I may or may not be able to do for them. Did this happen in your 40s? This happened in my early 50s. I feel like me for in my 40s, it's been powerful mid 40s. Mm -hmm. I'm learning to kind of let go what other people think and just show up and try to do what feels right and feels good. Yeah, I think the earlier you learn that, the better you're off you're going to be. Unfortunately, it took me until my 50s. So good for you that you're doing it in your 40s. <laughs> yeah, it's work. It's work. And you got to be tough and, you know, kind of try to figure it out. But I also think that it helps in biz. So mm -hmm. what made you go, okay, time to uh, get back to work and I'm going to become an esthetician? I got tired of working at Nordstrom. Um, just all of the stuff that goes for, you know, along with working for a big corporation. I mean, I made some friends there and I had some interesting experiences there, but I knew that, you know, it wasn't a career for me. Um, and I knew that I missed working in aesthetics. So I found out that I had to go back to school <laughs> in Texas. Yes. In Texas and take the full 750 hours all over again. Oh, you must've really wanted back in. Yeah, I did. Actually, it was difficult. You know, I kind of felt like a fish out of water there. I was the oldest person in the whole school. Well, tell me. I was older than the director. Like it must have been such an extremely different experience from 1978 to what year was it that you went back to get your license? <laughs> um, I believe, let me think here, it was 2000 and yeah, 2011. Okay. So yeah, I bet you went in there with a whole different set of yeah, views on what was happening. It, it well, the schools have changed a lot, and you know the programs have changed a lot, obviously too. As things changed, you know, in skincare over the last thirty years drastically. Did you go to a school where you got hands-on practice? Yes. Oh, that's yes. good because a lot of them out there you don't get that. And I remember the first time I tweezed somebody's eyebrows, my hands were shaking. <laughs> Thank God it happened in school with my instructor there. 
<laughs> yeah. No, this was actually a pretty good school. The way they had it set up was you spent half of your time in a theory classroom setting and working on each other, and then you moved to, I mean, you actually physically moved classrooms into what they called a clinic. And the clinic was set up like a mini spa. And we took um, clients. People came to the school and, you know, made appointments and had services done, and we did the work. I know not everybody can choose to go that way. I was fortunate enough. If you can pick a school, I, I you probably agree with me, that allows you to get some of the clinical time. It's so worth it. Oh, yeah. I totally agree because you need that hands-on, I think. Otherwise, you are shaking like a leaf and you get out there. You know, you're just so green and it's scary interviewing anyway, but at least to have that experience of hands-on so that when it time comes to do a practical, you feel like you at least have the basics down, you know what you're doing. Yep. Okay. So now we're going to fast forward to when I met you, because I don't feel like you were in a super great place the first time we had a conversation. Probably not. (laughs) You get out of school and you went right out on your own. Is that correct? Actually, no, I worked for a spa um, that actually it was an old spa, a spa that had been in business for quite a long time and it was under new ownership and the new owners were going to open another brand, another uh, location. So they hired me for their new location and I went to work for them in their old location part-time until the new one was opened. And then when the new one opened, it was fabulous and beautiful um, and we all of us that had been hired to work in the new one moved in and began working there. And what transition took place? It didn't turn out to be what they said it was going to be. Um, We were not given enough products to work with. We weren't given tools to work with. I mean, just trying to get a high frequency machine was like pulling teeth, you know, just simple little things. And it's, it was just awkward. I didn't feel like I could actually give somebody a facial that I was proud of because I didn't have the tools or proper products to be able to do that with. You know, I'm glad that you're bringing this up because I think this is such an epidemic in our industry. Like people are opening their doors to their spas and so excited to go into business and they go big. They don't mm-hmm. understand if, even if you have to offer two facials instead of 10, so you have the right equipment, it's such a better way to bring steady growth into your business. I agree. They just, they chose to put all of the money that they had into making it an astoundingly beautiful interior and um, the decor in there, everything about it was just absolutely stunning. It was beautiful, but they just did not have enough knowledge of the beauty business, I believe, to, you know, realize what they needed to give their estheticians, their nail techs, their stylists in order for them to do the work that they needed to do. Was it hard to get a repeat client in that type of situation? Like I feel clients can feel our energy and I'm sure knowing you, you didn't feel like you were giving the best that you could and people may have felt that. I'm sure they did because I am one of those people that I, you know what I'm feeling just by looking at me. It's just the way I am. I always have been, but yes, that, that is true. It was uncomfortable very uncomfortable. Was it hard to get people back in the door? Did you see a lot of the same people or was it kind of a one and done type situation? I had some people that became regulars with me, but very few because most of the work that we did was on Groupon. I actually had a client laying on my table say to me that she would never have a service done if it weren't for Groupons, that she only goes where Groupons are available. (laughs) Yeah. Don't even get me started on (laughs) what I feel like that has done to our industry. (laughs) I agree. 
But so you probably stepped away from this. This was this situation was prior to us meeting each other. So Mm -hmm. you probably stepped away from this and went into your own practice. I actually tried teaching because I was so scared to open my own practice because I thought I was too old. You know, Austin is a very young city. It's very young, very hip. And I'm not. (laughs) Oh, limiting belief showing up here. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I bought into it. And so I thought, well, I can teach. So I went back to the school that I had graduated from and they hired me. And it didn't take too long to find out that that wasn't going to work for me either. Um, It just, uh, it wasn't a good fit at all. I think there's a lot of girls out there that are in situations right now and Mm -hmm. they don't feel like it's a good fit. So before we jump into you starting out on your own and the challenges and the beautiful things that have showed up in your life, what would you say to somebody that doesn't feel settled where they are? To keep looking, to keep their minds open, you know, to new possibilities and opportunities. Don't just settle. You know, you may have to stay where you are in order to get a paycheck in some situations, you know, for some people, but not to give up hope, you know, to keep looking, keep seeing what's out there, what's available, because you never know when something really amazing is just going to plop right in your lap. I've seen the girls in some of my coaching programs that have taken on this amazing confidence and stepped forward with a ton of Bravery, I guess, would be the right word. You Mm -hmm. didn't have that support when you decided to leave the school and go on your own, did you? Not really. I didn't have any clients. I really didn't know what I was doing. Did you have any esthetician friends that kind of encouraged you or inspired you or gave you some guidance? Not really, no, because most of the women that I was in classes with were a great deal younger than me. And although we were, you know, friendly to each other while I was in school, no, no real strong friendships, you know, were made. Um, I basically got encouragement from family and a couple of friends that I had made here in Austin. Uh, that's where the support came from, really, was, you know, people saying, just go for what you want to, you know, do. Just do it. What's the worst thing that can happen, you know? So you stepped away from the teaching job. Is this when you went into the salon studio? Yes, it is. You yeah. know, you're out of the norm because I just interviewed Jenna Riviera, who owns Phoenix Salon Studios. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this probably isn't the best place for somebody without a clientele. So I think that your past experience of just starting these businesses and moving and the tragedies that you talked about happening in your life were probably a blessing. Probably. I would agree with that statement. Yes. And it's true what she said also, um, that if you don't have a clientele, it it is very difficult. And it was very difficult. (laughs) So you, you, when I met you, you had, I think, just stepped into the salon studio and you were struggling. I was struggling. Yeah. Was it just trying to get clients in the door? Yes, because I, nobody knew me and I knew nobody. I had a couple of girlfriends, but both of them were, um, they're licensed estheticians, but they weren't working as estheticians and hadn't for quite a long time. They came in for treatments. I had hoped that they would both send me clientele, some of the women that they knew that I had not yet met. However, it didn't work out that way. Honestly, Lori, it all came together for me when I joined your first 60-day esthetician program. <laughs> you know, I thank you. I, I That's one of my favorite programs to offer because there are these little steps that I feel like make a huge difference in our lives. Mm-hmm. 
So you just started doing things differently when you took the 60 day challenge. What was it about that program that helped you create the shift? Because everybody, I want you to know Jeffrey's really successful now. And we're going to talk about what success means to you, Jeffrey, in a second. So Mm -hmm. what shift do you think that you took to go, okay, this is it. And I'm going to build a business that I'm madly in love with. I learned a lot more from you about customer service and creating a unique what word am I looking for? I'm not even sure, but customer service, doing the little things that most people don't think of doing, like the thank you cards. My rock star rituals, that's what Mm -hmm. I call them. And they are, you know, people ask me all the time, how do you get so busy, Lori? And it's just the little tiny things. Yeah. And and it's really celebrating the little things. You take the time to celebrate your success now. I do. (laughs) And that's another thing I learned too. (laughs) Awesome. To pat myself on the back and appreciate what I had accomplished, even if it was, you know, something very small. But yeah, I think between the thank you notes and being very consistent with follow up, yeah, you know, getting back to people and asking them how they were doing with their products. And is there any, you know, can I make an adjustment for you? Can I give advice? Is there anything that you need? And just trying to develop that relationship, letting my client know that I was available to them. The bottom line is people buy from those they know, like, and trust. But I think that if I looked at one part, I always talk about business bravery. Your business Mm -hmm. bravery really seems to surround the fact that you're not afraid to change when something's not working for you. So the first salon studio you went to was not your ideal location. Did it ever feel right to you? Or did you kind of know right away, this isn't going to work? I kind of knew within the first couple of months, I wasn't in love with the location, but I needed to do something right away. I, I felt that if I didn't step into it, that I might just fade away. (laughs) Okay. So you know what, it's that imperfect action, just stepping forward. Mm -hmm. But I know you got to the point where we're going to start to hear the angels singing in the background. You go, okay, this isn't working. I'm packing Mm -hmm. up shop and I'm moving to a different place. And now I feel like you found your sweet space, right? I think I have. Yeah. And how much does that contribute to you becoming more successful? It completely changed my attitude, my focus as far as, you know, way I looked at myself and my business changed. I was in a place that was happier, better maintained facility, better relationships with the owner of the facility. Uh, Just everything was better all the way around. And I know we don't have to, you know, drop product names or equipment names, but you've surrounded yourself in your treatment room with stuff you really feel passionate about. That's a big success contributor as well, isn't it? It is. And that's funny that you should mention that because that was another of the factors that made me stop doing the teaching and decide to step back into a treatment room and do it on my own was because I discovered something new and different, something I hadn't thought about before. And Wasn't microdermabrasion, I take it. No, it was not. It was just a different approach to skincare entirely and something that made complete sense to me. It was just like one of those eureka moments. It's like, oh my gosh, yes, this is it. I've had that too. And it changed my business where something spoke directly to my, I call it my skincare soul. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, that's exactly what happened. And it just was completely by accident. I was actually on the internet looking for information to create a handout for the girls in my class. And I just stumbled across a book and said, Oh, I know this guy. I'm going to look at this book. And I ordered it and I read it and the rest is history. And he's been a guest on our podcast too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Ben Johnson. I, he changed my outlook of how I was operating in my treatment room and 
Mm-hmm. Again, we don't have to get into product stuff, but it, it, it what I'm trying to say here is when you find something that speaks to your skincare soul and kind of lights your heart on fire a little bit, step forward and investigate it. That's true. Absolutely. And that's what I did. So I think that also that it helped me at first. It was hard because it was different, but then I started looking at it as it's not bad to be different, actually being unique and doing something that other estheticians aren't doing, you know, creating some buzz around myself as, as having a different approach actually helped me because I felt that there was a certain segment of the population that wasn't being addressed. And my new feelings and thoughts about how I wanted to run my particular practice sort of fed into that population. It's really about being in line with your beliefs. It truly is in any business. And I think that maybe this is why you needed to go through everything you went through to really get you in line with your beliefs. And we had this conversation and I want you to speak to this a little bit a while back. I don't even know if you remember it, where I said something about success and you said, I don't really want what I've had before. Mm -hmm. You said, it's not all about big numbers and tons of clients Am I, do you remember this conversation? I do. Yeah. So will you speak to us about what success means to you? Because I want you guys listening to understand you can design exactly what you want in your life. Success looks different to everybody, but you have to know what it looks like to achieve it. What I do is I don't take a lot of clients. I try to keep it to a minimum so that I have a lot of myself to give. Is it a certain amount of people you know you want every day? Is it a certain amount of money you know that you feel comfortable making? Like, what does success look like to you? What makes you happy when you go in your treatment room? Being able to do things the way that I want to do them and know that I'm, that I'm doing good for the customer. Know that I am helping them to create a healthy complexion, healthy skin in a way that isn't actually harming them in the long run. That's important to me. Being in the business for so long, I've seen a lot of you know products come and go, and I've seen a lot of different treatments that people think are amazing. But really, if you see somebody, the same person for years and years and years, and you see that their skin isn't improving, it tells you that it's not working. So being able to do things the way that I want to do them, for one, is a sign of success for me. The other thing is to be able to have very good relationships with my clients and I don't really have to do a whole lot of people in a day because I price myself according to what I feel I am. my value is and the value of the products that I'm using. The clients are willing to pay it, and I make sure that everybody understands that home care is really important, and so they take home home care. So see, I don't really need to see a whole lot of people in a day in order to have a really fabulous day. So let's talk about this a little bit, because I feel a lot of us are held back in the pricing area. Did you raise your prices when you started becoming more confident, or did you step into this salon studio with prices that you felt really good about? I felt good about the prices that I stepped into this salon suite with, but I recently just raised a couple of my prices, not all the way across the board, but I did raise a couple of prices recently too. Did anyone notice? No. Okay. (laughs) I think that's a powerful (laughs) message because we get so worked up that our clients are going to break up with us if we raise our prices $5 and most people don't even know, especially if we're showing up like you're showing up for people. Like you're devoted to this. And I know you're doing killer great stuff because you even had some of your facial work featured on a vendor's brochure. Actually, you didn't make it into the brochure, but they did, um, the vendor did purchase my photographs and they haven't redone the brochure yet. The brochure still is the same. 
Ah, so you your work may be featured when they redo the brochure. And this is hyperpigmentation, which is the biggest challenge for us as estheticians. Yeah, it was melasma, which is really difficult. <laughs> well, congratulations. That had to make you feel really good, right? When somebody goes, ooh, we want these for our branding. Yes. Um, actually, it did make me feel really good. And um, although the person who I was working on, she no longer sees me due to her own situation in her life, but we're still friends and stay in contact. And um, as a matter of fact, she modeled for me when um, I was doing a one-on-one session uh, teaching microcurrent. That's awesome. And you know, this is the thing. These people come into our, come and go. Mm-hmm. And some people get so worried and so offended that they a client disappears. But you can still be friends with these people. And I bet you she comes back as your client when she can. I'm sure she will. Um, she she uh, stays in touch and she says that I'm her cell phone. That she has me listed as her skincare goddess. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome name. <laughs> yeah, I had to laugh, but she's a real sweetheart. And that should go in your bio. Pardon me. That should go in your bio. My client has quoted me as being a skin her skincare goddess. <laughs> Yeah, she um, she still buys products from me when she can, and she stays in touch. Every once in a while, I'll get a text from her saying, I can't wait till I can afford to come back and see you. <laughs> see, that's we can't be offended. When they go away, it's not usually because they want to. And even if they're going, I've found, and you tell me this with the Groupon situation, mm-hmm. my clients have tried Groupon. I know a handful of them have, but they most often they'll come back and go, oh, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, There is a certain segment of the population that's going to say, I'm not doing that again, because they've been exposed to what's really good and they can compare. Yeah. But there is a certain amount of people out there also that maybe had never tried a facial treatment until it was offered at these ridiculously low Groupon prices. So their idea of what a facial is, is based on what they got is their Groupon facial. Yeah. You know what? I used to light me on fire, the Groupon stuff, and now I don't pay attention to it. I really don't. I'm like, if you worry all the time about what your neighbors are doing, you're never going to focus on your true gifts to give. That's true. I, I used to worry about the Groupon competition too, but then I just thought I'm, I'm not doing those kinds of facials. I'm doing better facials. Yes. So tell me actually what your day looks like now. How many days a week are you working? Four. And do you have set hours? Are you kind of flexible those four days? Um, I am somewhat flexible, but I do have set hours that, you know, are on my website. Um, I am by appointment only, but sometimes people say, you know, I can't get in at this time or that time. And if I've got nothing going on in my personal life that, you know, I need to tend to, then I will be flexible. Kind of how I do it too. Yeah. Now your husband must be pretty proud of you. He is. <laughs> You've come a long way in the last few years. I'm proud of you. I'm excited for you. Thanks. And I find you to be an inspiration. You guys, she has started over a number of times and every time you find a level of success that makes you really happy. And that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So if you had to give our listeners three tips to help them create beauty biz success, what would they be? Hmm, I would say, try to create some sort of niche, something that makes you stand out. It doesn't have to be your whole approach, but find something that makes you stand out as a more desirable service provider, definitely get coaching. I think that had I not made that move and gone into your 60 day program that I might not be where I am quite yet (laughs) Uh, because other people can give you, you know, fabulous ideas. Some of it is just common sense stuff and you kind of conk yourself on the head and say, now, why didn't I think of that? 
you know, but it has impact coming from other people and the camaraderie, especially if you're solo, camaraderie of being in a group program like that where you communicate on the Facebook page and everybody's of the same mindset and everybody's helping each other rather than tearing each other down, which is what tends to happen in the other groups. I'm glad you mentioned this because in our industry, the fact is that we are in a treatment room alone. It's lonely. There's no community. Mm -hmm. And it's also when I first started, nobody wanted to tell me what they were doing that worked. Mm -hmm. And I'm a girl's kind of girl. I like to share my knowledge. So it, and I have to be in coaching myself. I, I am never not in a coaching program or a mastermind program. I think, you know, we talked about this the whole time. It is what makes you step forward bravely, doesn't it? Yes, it is. And I'm a big sharer too. So I like a, 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 a setting where I can share things and feel safe sharing it you know, and know that I'm giving good information to people that want it and care. Are you going to be at the live event this year? And yes, I was going to say in April and then I realized, <laughs> no, that would be way too soon in August. I am. I'm, as a matter of fact, I already have my flight and then my room booked. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay. So step number three. Step number three. Okay. I said the coaching and, and you said, said the niche. Being, right. Being unique. Um, I think attitude really, because it's just so difficult. I think, you know, when you're slow and you're trying to build and you're looking at this empty appointment book and you're saying, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to buy more product? It's really hard to stay positive. So you just have to find the things in your life that make you feel good about you yourself and what you're doing. Uh, it, a lot of it is mindset. It's, you know, believing in something more powerful than yourself and having faith. That's awesome advice because I know I get it. I remember those days where I thought I do not have one more eyebrow to tweeze on myself. And I've read that people magazine in my lobby 50 <laughs> times. So, yep. <laughs> have something in your life that keeps your attitude positive. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be big things. It can just be little things. It's just learning how to take joy in the day to day things. Like, what did you do? Tell me one thing you did. Like, I will walk and get a latte, my favorite latte when I'm slow or having a bad day. I attack my dogs. Uh, <laughs> I get their toys out and I start throwing their toys around because my dogs bring me a lot of joy. They're so much fun. They're such happy little dogs. So playing with my dogs, getting involved in um, exercise I mean, fitness and, you know, taking care of my body has always been big with me. Thus the Pilates thing that I did. Taking walks, you know, just doing things that keep your... Your, your body occupied and your mind busy. You just don't have time to focus on the bad. And anytime that stuff starts to enter my mind, um, because it still does creep in once in a while now, we're only human, I just say, okay, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to go bake cookies or, you know, do something that feels good. I have those days too. I really do. The other day I had like four hours of cancellations and I thought, mm -mm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to clean my room and get it ready for more clients to roll in tomorrow. So there's mm -hmm. just, you're right, shifting mm -hmm. from Absolutely. a place of feeling beat up and negative to a positive place and doing something little. I think that's, that's actually really great advice attitude. I like that one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for everybody, you know, everybody's going to have something different that, you know, makes them smile, makes them happy. Not everybody has two crazy little dogs or whatever, but, you know, it's just, it's, it's unique to you. You know, it's just what makes your heart sing, really. Oh, well, that's such amazing advice. And I really, um, I want to thank you because I know this does feel a little different than being in the treatment room to share this way and to be so open and vulnerable and let everyone know life is not always perfect. And I think that your story is awesome. And the fact that you can just start over whenever you want is inspiration enough for me. 
<laughs> well, honestly, I don't want to have to do it again. I'm hoping that this will be the final incarnation of my career life, but I'm very happy with where I'm at right now and with the way things are going and with the direction that they seem to be taking. So one last quick question, and then I'll sure. let you get back to your day off. I assume today's a Monday. Uh -huh. So yes. who is the last client, the last new client that you got? Do you know who it was? Yes, it was on Saturday. And how'd she find you? She it was interesting because she filled out my online form and emailed it to me. Some clients do, some don't, but she did. And I noticed that where it says on my form, how did you learn about Jeffrey Ann Chambers skincare? She said, a friend. And I thought, well, that's really kind of odd because most people are usually pretty happy to tell you who their friend is. Right. So when she came in, and by the way, I guess I did call her and offer directions and do all of that good stuff and, you know, welcome her to my studio. When she actually physically arrived, we sat down and, and to talk and go over her intake form. And I said to her, "How? who is your friend? How did you hear about me? You said a friend, but who is your friend? And she says, well, actually, you don't know her. Kind of interesting answer. So she says to me that a friend of hers was in Las Vegas and had a facial from a particular esthetician. I, don't, I wasn't given the name, but um, she uses the same product line and approach that I do. So her friend, when she came home to Austin told my new client about it and said, she goes, I'm going to call that esthetician in Las Vegas and find out if there's anybody here in Austin that uses the same product line and offers the same kinds of treatments. And this esthetician who I don't know who she is recommended me. Well, if you're listening esthetician in Las Vegas, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome yes. to be referring somebody else out. Yeah. Absolutely. How cool. And you're just starting. I'm not even sure if you're aware of this yet to really, I think, be seen as an expert in your area and your community. And that's awesome. I'm kind of feeling like that too, actually. And I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. <laughs> now, so your website doesn't get hammered because I know what happens when people are curious. Why don't you just tell everyone where you do your online forms, like what that setup is <laughs> to avoid hundreds of emails asking you because you can <laughs> fill out your consultation forms online, right? Yeah, they can. I mean, some people choose not to, but I have... It says a new client intake form. And when you click on it, it takes you to a page that was set up through a website called jotform.com, J-O-T-F-O-R-M.com. And it's free. And you can use one of their templates or you can create your own. Now, I have to admit that I didn't create this myself. My husband took the intake form that I normally use, the paper form, and took the information from there and loaded it into the template online. He did it for me. He's in IT. So when I come across things that I don't want to do, or I don't feel I can do, I say, honey. <laughs> That's awesome. You have him to help you. Just say it one more time, just in case somebody didn't quickly write it down. Sure. It's jotform, J-O-T-F-O-R-M.com. And they also have implemented a new type of service. I don't know if it's paid or free, but for those of you who may feel uncomfortable having your clients email certain private information because it can be intercepted while it's en route. They have a thing where you, they fill it out, it stays at JotForm, and JotForm notifies you that you have a new client intake form to review. So the information doesn't actually travel the internet. It goes right into JotForm. 
Um, so if you're in a medical spa or something and you're asking certain questions that are of a delicate nature, then that information can be protected. What I do is just tell people that anything they don't want to fill out or are not comfortable with filling out online, please leave blank and we'll go over it when I see them. Awesome. Well, that's a really great tip for everyone listening and for me because I'm not doing that yet and I will work on that. So Jeffrey, thank you mm -hmm. so much for your generous sharing and knowledge and your cool story. I really appreciate you being here today. Well, thank you. Thank you for selecting me for an interview. It's been fun and it's a first for me. So I like it. And just in case anyone's in the Austin area and wants to come get a facial from you, do you want to share your website? Sure. It's um, pretty easy. It's my name, jeffreyannchambers.com. And you spell your name a J -E -F -F -R -I -E -A -N -N -C -H -A little. J-E-F-F-R-I-E-A-N-N-C-H-A-M-B-E-R-S. Very nice. I have a friend that lives there. When I make it down to see her, I'm coming in for a facial myself. So Okay. <laughs> awesome, Jeffrey. Thank you so much for showing up and sharing. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity, Lori. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Beauty Biz Show. I hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to live beautifully. If you'd like a copy of my free report, six simple strategies to generate a dramatic increase in your beauty biz income and fill your appointment book with valuable clients, please visit www.lauricrete.com. Or if you'd like to book an appointment at my spa in Los Angeles, please visit www.thespa10.com. Thanks again for tuning into the Beauty Biz Show.